if you've ever listened to a podcast or read one of my books and thought, I wish I knew if that was the right thing for my body, or how could I make that work with my schedule and responsibilities, I've got something for you. A new workbook by me coming out late spring. My Perfect Movement Plan, the Move Your DNA all-day workbook, is for your specific situation because you are going to finish writing it. When you're finished, you will have a guide to a personalized movement diet that nourishes your body in the ways that you need it to. My Perfect Movement Plan is available for pre-order now, and if you pre-order from the publisher, there's a bonus, a free ticket to an upcoming online workshop, Spot the Missing Micronutrients. It's a 90-minute class where you'll learn about five often missing movement micronutrients, and these are subtle movements of the body. In this case, we'll be looking in the shoulders and the hips and the feet that are often tied to pain or injury in those areas. In this workshop, I'll also show you how to supplement with exercise vitamins. I'm putting air quotes around vitamins and how to adjust your regular movement so exercise supplementation isn't as necessary. Pre-order now at mpmpbook.com. That's my perfect movement plan, mpmpbook.com. And you'll automatically receive a bonus class ticket. But wait, there's more. Um, I'm going to be drawing three names from these pre-orders and these peeps are going to get a small group session with me to go over your perfect movement plan. So you can ask me questions and we'll brainstorm your specific situation on a Zoom call together. I cannot wait. So head over to mpmpbook.com for all the details on the book and the bonuses. Read through the frequently asked questions, order the book, get the class, and then get moving. I'm so excited to share this workbook. It's the missing puzzle piece you've been waiting for, and it's so very actionable. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. Katie's podcast, where movement geek Danny Hemmett joins biomechanist Katie Bowman, author of Move Your DNA, for discussions on body mechanics, movement nutrition, natural movement, and how movement can be the solution to modern ailments we all experience. How long do you think it'll take? How many episodes before everyone can like recite that opening verbatim? Well, we'll change it as soon as they get it down pat. That's right. It's like yeah. it's ever, ever elusive. Opening. Um, okay. Well, speaking of memorization, it's back. It's the back to school episode, huh? <laughs> Woo! Um, I was thinking. I'm actually one of those people who loved going back to school. <gasps> Me too. I loved it. Did you? Yeah, I could get that. Oh, but yeah. um, as we were talking about doing this episode, it started making me think about all these back to school memories. And what do you have? Like a most cherished or something that sticks out in your mind is the most amazing back to school memory or just something that you think of. When oh you yeah. Think of back to school. And it's probably, um, on the level of almost everybody, but it was all about the smells for me. It was the smell mm. of the pencil box, the new lunch box, the library after it'd been closed up all summer, you know, that book smell and the smell of the desks, they'd all been like disinfected and squeaky <laughs> clean, but they kind of had that weird wet wood smell to them. And I just, yeah, it was all about the smells how about you? It's mostly, it mostly is waiting for the bus in the morning. I just, we had to get up really early and it was very rural and it would be chilly because we didn't start until September because we were a farm, a farm community. And I would pretend, my sister and I would pretend um, smoke pretzel sticks out oh. while we were waiting for the bus because that was, that was the height of uh, glamour back to school and so like in the cool air your your breath would show and you'd be yes doing, yes right it was hitting very the realistic. pretzel sticks too young it was very it was fortunately I went on to um not I was never a smoker nor really a pretzel eater so it just goes to show you that sometimes by getting it out of your system early on it might save you later yeah especially with food stuffs and not tobacco stuff so way to go yeah Thanks. I still pretend smoke. I still 
I like blowing. I like seeing. I like seeing my breath. I, yeah, that's, I love that. I it's love fun. that about fall. Like because yeah, you're outside and it's not really winter, but you've got that that uh, mist or whatever it is that comes out of your mouth, and that's just that's one of the neat things about fall. I think. Pretend you're a dragon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Sure, but um, anyway, back to school. We get a lot of questions about back to school, so we put them all together, right? Um, mm-hmm. Back to school biomechanics. And it's kind of also like back to work biomechanics, maybe a little bit, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, some of us are just giant kids that have to go to an office and sit at giant desks yeah. and do pretend adult stuff. And it's all the same biology, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so um, what about shoes, backpacks, desks, and balancing this kind of back to school, like less, there's less movement time overall, right? So how, how can we deal with that? So even if you don't have kids, you can apply probably the bulk of this stuff to you at your office. Yeah. Right. Or even if you homeschool your kids or you're in a kind of a different, you know, not a, a typical learning situation, but you've got a little more variability, there's still stuff that you can, can do to make things better, to kind of facilitate more rewards in your daily movement requirements. Yeah. So I know just from interacting with readers and listeners on Facebook that parents and even people with a traditional office job kind of feel like they're up against like a hopeless situation. Mm. You know, like it's like, I can't, like, there's just no way I have to go to work. My kids have to go to school. We have to, have to. And so I think we can offer some empowering things to do, whether you're in the traditional school system, if you've got a more flexible schooling environment, or if you're just at work. So what should we start with? You are the solution girl. You're good at providing solutions. I have ideas. I have ideas. (laughs) Solutions are all about the person doing them. But yes, what do you want to start with? That's true. Well, let's do, let's do shoes. Cause that's probably like one of the biggest things that we, we hear from, you know, readers and listeners to the podcast is shoes is a big uh, head scratcher. And this weekend you wrote a blog post. I noticed that I wish was not just in your blog, but I wish it was in every publication that a parent could read across the nation because it was about sh- choosing shoes. That's tough. Say that five times fast. <laughs> choosing, choosing shoes, shoes, choosing shoes, choosing, choosing shoes, choosing shoes. But it was great. It was back to school shopping for kids' shoes. Really, you could apply that to your big grown up feet shoes, you know, back to school shopping. But it was great. You gave a step-by-step thing and uh, I'm not going to read the whole article. You're welcome. But if you wanted to give a few <laughs> highlights from that, what would they be? Um, okay. Bullet points are minimal footwear for all kids and, and for adults. Adults take more transitioning than kids do. It's best. This is a tip. It's best to shop for shoes meaning your feet are at a good size to be fitted for new shoes at the end of the day or after after the bout of whatever it is that you're doing. So like this, it's soccer time right now. So for example, everyone's like, I got to get soccer shoes. And they go out and they fit their kids for soccer shoes. But the best time to fit your kids and yourself for shoes, especially for sports specific shoes is after you've done the sport. So if you're a runner, you don't, go shoe shopping in the morning. You go take your run so that your feet are at the size because your feet are are malleable. They're going to change shape based on the activity and the fluid content that's in there. So you want to do it after the thing that you've just done when your foot is at your maximum size or shape for whatever that activity was. So if you're buying shoes for kids, don't like do it early in the morning before they've had a chance to be on their feet, you know, quite a bit or use it. You want to go out and, you know, go hiking, go running, go playing, let them be up for a little bit. And like towards the end of the day, three, four, five is a really good time to fit fit your kids. Kids' feet grow fast. This is something that we don't really think of as adults. Yeah. If you're a parent, you know, when we just have a, a shoe size that we are, but your kids... Their, their feet are growing constantly. And so the recommendation is that a, a shoe for a child is always at least a half of an inch longer than their foot at rest. Because again, once you start moving, your foot does not maintain the static shape. It's, 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 it's stretching, it's reaching as, you, as your weight passes over it. It's widening and lengthening. So if you fit a shoe to a static foot, 
which is um, interestingly enough, back to school shoe shopping is also a memory of going yeah. to Payless Shoe Source, right? And putting oh, your foot geez. on that thing with the sliding dial. That, I, that? I know the word for that. <laughs> what is it's it? A, it's a Brannock device. That is, is what it is. Is that the name of the, the <laughs> that's guy, that, I'm assuming, who created it? I think so. But that's the weird metal thing where they Brannock. shoved the other metal thing and then metal. everything was just so metal. It was, but, and what I always, and as a, I remember as a kid going, he's like, we have to measure your right foot and your left foot. I was like, why you only sell shoes in pairs? Like <laughs> this is, it was just, and I, I guess it was to get the, the larger one, right. To make sure right. the pair fit the larger shoe. But anyway, right. um, Brannock device. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where was I? I, all these, all well, these so interesting the foot, words. The foot has to be, yes. if you, it has to be in movement. You have to know what the foot's going to be doing while you're walking right. or moving so, or running. Well, your your foot is going to get bigger and smaller as you're moving. So you want the shoe to fit the bigger, right? Mm-hmm. But a shoe that's too big is just as problematic as a shoe that's too small. So what do you – so I think the natural response is like, great. Well, if my kid's foot is growing constantly through the year, then I'll get a, a shoe that's like one size too big, and then that way they can – kind of grow into it over the year because it gets expensive, right? You have oh my gosh, yes. Two to three pairs of shoes In fact, a year. I've been trying to get them to smoke pretzel sticks just to stunt their growth <laughs> because it's just, I can't keep these kids in shoes. You know, we really need to do a parenting episode and you can give us all of your secrets. Oh yeah, because I'm a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do you do? You have to buy multiple pairs of shoes per year. And that gets expensive. And so in the blog post, I kind of showed how I do it, right? Like, how do you delegate, dispense your shoe budget for the year? And a big secret, if you want minimal shoes for kids and you don't want to spend a lot of cash, is swim shoes. Mm, Brilliant. Is that What's the other word for swim shoes? Like water shoes, pool shoes? Yeah. They are... um, do you have yeah. another word? I think it's just pool pool shoes is what I have. Pool shoes. They're usually at, um, around here, I see them in drugstores. You know, like in the, like yeah, a lot like of drugstores. they're like hanging stores. on one of those toilet yes. racks. And, yeah. Yeah. And they're not expensive. I've never seen them no. for more than like 15 bucks. Yeah. They're super cheap. And the, the cool thing about them is they're flat. They're flexible and they're inexpensive. So, and they're usually rubber bottomed. So even if you live in a wet place. I live in a wet place. It's the Pacific Northwest. It's not super freezing, especially in the fall, right? So I recommend that you get one of those for fall, like this early part, because there might be rain on the ground, but if you pair them with wool socks, you've got something that's warm, water resistant, flat flexible, and it gets you through to when you're going to need like your your big guns, depending on where you live, right? If you live in Southern California, you're like, what is she talking about? Like (laughs) socks and boots, but- (laughs) Boots, boots, boots. <laughs> boots. But if you live in like where you live, you guys yeah. are going to get some snow, yeah? Yeah, got to get some boots. So the best time is closer to when your foot is at the size that you're going to be using them. So if you're going to be wearing winter boots and try to buy them as close to winter as possible so that they're they're going to match your shoe shape then like don't don't get excited and buy your winter boots in October I guess is what I'm trying to say okay That's put it off a little advice. bit yeah so and then you can buy another pair of inexpensive swim shoes um, in the early spring or late winter when the snow is over but you still need a little bit of wet and um, moccasins or other minimal shoes to kind of, it has like how to pace it out a little bit, I guess. It was very helpful. Very good. And especially the part about tracing the foot and how to trace it, because then you don't have to deal with the Brannock device. You've got, you've got your own measurement with your, your toes spread wide. So I liked that a lot. It was good. That's good for, that's good for adults too. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're a homeschooler, a fun lesson, right? I included actually in that blog post, a whole link to a homeschool lesson on feet and shoes. So check that out. And talking about homeschooling and that, that's a good time for lots of barefoot time, right? And if you're inside, (laughs) foot muscle training time. Yeah. And, um, you know, when we could probably do a winter show, like how to move in the winter, but that was, there was a lot of blizzards, like East coast, Eastern Canada got hit pretty hard with winters last year where 
They're like, yeah, okay, walk three to five miles a day. It's just not possible. Like it's freezing. We will die, mm-hmm. Katie says. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like, okay, well, what do you what what are ways to create movement indoors and obstacle courses, obstacle courses, obstacle courses are amazing. They are super fun to set up. They are fun for kids and adults to do. And then you can do one just for feet though. Just, you know, they're all, they're meant to be barefoot and train your feet with all sorts of wobbly, cool balance. I threw up some pictures and that's a good way to strengthen the muscles in your feet because minimal shoes, again, if you listen I think back to our episode, maybe on the Vibram lawsuit, this was like an early episode that Mm -hmm. we did where when you get like on the minimal footwear bandwagon, there's a a tendency sometimes to think that just putting the shoe on the foot will give you more movement, but you actually have to be moving, right? You have to be doing more movements. And so (laughs) moving, like it's not a magical foot massage device. Like you actually have to be up and you have to be walking over varied terrain and if that varied terrain is buried under snow or the outside is not accessible to you, then create a varied terrain inside. Which and, and you don't even have to buy extra stuff. I mean, you use no. pillows and and couch cushions and you know stuff like that, and go to the dollar store and get a bunch of pebbles. And it's just, yeah, I like, I, I like now. how you do it on the cheap. I appreciate that about you. Oh my god, I'm so cheap. But it's like <laughs> no, say go- frugal. You do it on the cheap, oh. but you're you're not cheap. Oh. You're frugal. Oh, I'm thrifty. Uh, The thrifty Scots. Uh, But I don't even think, I don't think it's much as, is like thrifty isn't my motivation. Money saving isn't my motivation as much as reusing things that already exist is my motivation. So like go now before it's all covered under snow, go get pebbles, Mm -hmm. go find a, a cool balancing logs, bring them in to dry them out now so that when it's time to set up your winter stuff, you have all that stuff ready to go. Just get a big box, start putting it in there and then create your, kind of foot training kit in your back pocket. So the first snow day when you're like, what am I going to do? It's like, I already have this plan. I've been planning on this since September. And so it's a, it's fun. I enjoy it. It's creative thinking. It's good thinking. And you just brought up an interesting point where you said minimal shoes, you know, you have to move in them. You can't just put them on. So if I've got kids, how about walking to school? Uh, Walking to school, cherished being walked to school cherished memories. Just, you know, um, walking to school is one of those things that has just kind of gone away just Mm -hmm. because of the way society is now. But escort, like walking by yourself. I remember when I was in like preschool, walking certain distances myself, you know, even like a block by myself. Like that just doesn't happen Mm -hmm. anymore. Okay. Can I I add that into my cherished memories? Because I always had to walk to school. Um, and it was just like that it, time of decompression on the way home yeah. and the time to get excited on the way there. You know, like, what am I going to learn today? And and um, I don't think that would have happened if I were sitting on my rear. No. And and I remember, I don't think I thought about it then, like I think about it now, but I remember a sense of independence. And, and who knows how alone I was. So my son, who's four, <laughs> just asked the other day if he could walk this quarter mile home by himself. He's like, can I walk this by myself? And he asked because his six-year-old cousin does it. Mm-hmm. His mom, we live close enough and she'll like ride her bike to a certain point and then she can watch him walk a certain point and then I'm at the other end and can watch. But the kid doesn't really know that as much. And so I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, you drive home and he seems so big all the other time until he's walking down this huge road. And I was like, oh, my God, he's like an ant. He's so tiny. He's like a baby <laughs> crawling down this thing. And he did the whole thing. And and I there's just a it's being autonomous, right? It's this whole experience of I got this and it's it was a safe, you know, I felt that there was just no risks or minimal risks, I mm-hmm. think, for him, any risk that he can handle. And and um, but that's not an option for a lot of people. So and a lot of also people live too far from where they go to school, right? where it's like, I'd like to have two extra hours to walk the three miles, you know, my kids (laughs) back and forth, but I don't. So um, our friend Debbie from Positively Aligned has a really great solution for this. And when I went to visit her in Texas, I did this with her and it was genius, but I'll let you tell it because it's, I just like to hear it. Well, I mean, it's, it is pretty smart. She would, she was quite a ways away from her school. And, um, 
wouldn't, it was like four miles, I think, to school. So she would drive the car out to a certain point and then they would just all get out with their backpacks and walk the rest of the way. So I think it ended up being two miles each way for the kids. Um, so four miles total. And then she would get like an extra little bit in, but they beat traffic because they would have to leave earlier to get the walk in. And then they weren't stuck in their car with everybody else who at the same time was going to school. They were out walking. Yeah, and- it was, uh, it was great. She, so for her or anyone else going, how can I get more movement? She would drive I don't remember exactly what the distance was, but it doesn't matter. Like, even if it's, you know, I have little kids, it's like, great, then do a mile or do a half mile, whatever. She would park and walk in and they would play like shadow chasing games. Mm-hmm. It was great. And then you know, and sometimes a- she'd have to carry their backpacks and that was sure. just like the trade-off that she made. But that's so, a benefit. Like, right. that's awesome, right? right. She right. Like, she got to use this time to train. It's like mm-hmm. going to the gym with your kids here, carry all my stuff. <laughs> but then she would walk back. And then she would walk in to pick them up and then walk out. So she got twice as much walking as they did to mm-hmm. half of it being fast adult paced. And then she got to be with them those extra hours. They got to walk. But I love that you pulled out this decompression idea. It wasn't like, quick, get in the car, drive home. You know, It was this whole relaxing 20 or 40 minutes, however long it is for you of of talking, but not where people are clamoring for your attention, you know, like right. where it can be. It was just more like, we're just out and running around. And I don't know, it was beautiful. Like it, it felt really good. It was just a great way to break up a day. Right. Well, and, and you know, minds always wander when you walk. That's just part of the nature of walking is your mind goes places and you don't always have the opportunity in school. So it's a really good mm-hmm. time to let that happen for little kids and adults just to have- yeah. Yeah, because not everybody needs to be talking at once or focused on the same thing. Yeah, and I think also back to the homeschool, I like to give our our alternative schoolers ideas, right? Because you're constantly figuring out like cool lessons. Um, and a good movement lesson would be for maybe older kids or younger kids, I guess, depending on where where they are, would be maybe to keep a walking journal or to track distance. Yes. Even if they're, even if they're in traditional schools, to be like, okay, have Could you heard you... about the 100 Mile Club? No. Okay, this is really cool. This has just started. And actually, the um, person that does our show notes that really do exist out there somewhere <laughs> are Stop the telling transcriptionists. She uh, turned me on to this it's called the 100 Mile Club, and it's for schools, but you can adapt it to like non traditional situations or even just your own family. And it's to, for kids to walk 100 miles during the school year. You know, so you break it down, you log it and everything. And and so gives them something it's, you know, if they're not just turned on by the idea of just walking, because some kids like to work towards something and they can even work toward like a medal or sticker or certificate or whatever. But yeah, it's called the hundred mile club. I think you can look it up by that. And it's for schools to try and get everybody going groups. Mm. Kind of a cool idea. Good idea for teachers out there, maybe mm-hmm. to who are trying. To, we get a lot of requests from teachers going, "How do I adjust my curriculum?" So anyway, by doing that, that's great. Yeah. All right. What else? Shoes, walking. Asks. I mean, my uh, goodness, desks. I don't think there's <laughs> one kid in the world that likes sitting in a school desk all day long. And sometimes I just wonder, can't we just kind of like, you know demand or or petition that we just <laughs> do something different but yeah. it has i mean it has to there's all sorts of ways we can approach this well that's i mean going up go like changing a paradigm is huge so like you have this you know we are these little people with this idea and there's institutions that have a different idea so that's ch- that's challenging and i think i definitely think um you know it's like kind of like all activism in general, that there is benefit to um, organizing some sort of intervention against larger institutions who have a particular idea when you're trying to initiate change. But before we do that, again, thinking about the parent who feels overwhelmed being like, hey, petition your like school district. <laughs> you know, like, just lay down in front of the desks at your school district. Like that's that seems big and overwhelming. So like the first thing you can do so that you can feel empowered is to simply change your home environment. So if, if, if people are shaped by what they do all day, then make sure that your house doesn't. Ha- so setting up where, are your, where are your kids 
doing homework. So if, if you are like, I don't like this desk thing, but you have desks for your kids at home, then start with eliminating that create standing or floor sitting desk workstations, um, initiate. Oh gosh, we, we came up with a bunch of ideas, right? So, oh yeah. I mean, some people have just like created a dynamic workspace for their kids yeah. when they get home. Um, right. and it doesn't have to be pricey. You don't have to go all out on this. I mean, you've got a floor sitting option and then sitting next to a coffee table and then standing up at the kitchen, you know, food bar, whatever it is. It, yeah. They don't have to sit in one spot to do their homework. They don't. Um, the problem, I think, for a lot of people it comes with they have one home computer mm. and the kids have to be on the home computer. So if that's the case, consider I, I just posted uh, really on everything, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, a picture of my new office space. So I, I don't just sit there. The paperback version, you know, has just been released and. I'm what? trying, but people you call still it want your visuals. dynamic workstation. It's my, I love di- that. It's, it's a dynamic a office. It's dynamic. Woo. It's dynamic. I have a low table, like find a low table, put your computer on the low table. And then the reflex tends to be, it's like, well, there's no way my, the adults want to sit down there. I'm like, it's good for you too. This mm-hmm. isn't about kids. It's about humans. But then also it's not just the work time. What about the relaxation time, right? You still have the couch, still have all the easy bear, easy, you know, easy chairs and the, everyone's Did- just kind of dining table sitting everything like the whole house so you know consider again that mm-hmm. furniture free home to whatever extent you can there's been again on our on our social media pages so many good ideas like where the family couldn't quite ditch the couch so they just cut the feet off of it dropping it 4 inches yeah that was Huge. brilliant that was brilliant great. yep brilliant um have floor picnics you know eat on the floor sometimes in the dining room have family challenges where um, if you watch TV together as a family, you do it on the floor um, with, you know, kind of fun movement challenges during commercial time. Um, also, gosh, what else? Well, we did something cool this weekend. Um, what? We took an outdoor ping pong table and we moved into this gigantic house that we don't have nearly enough stuff for. It's like, it's ridiculous. Like we're squatting. But ah, in, in so, oh. <laughs> that's awesome. So it's perfect is what you well, mean. Well, no, yeah, it's perfect. What you're saying is it's perfect as it is. It is perfect as it is. And we had an outdoor ping pong table and we were looking at this huge spot where a, like a formal dining table would go in this sort mm. of a house. And we we're mm-hmm. like, why, why would we buy another table? Let's just move the ping pong table in where that's supposed to go. So it totally looks like we're college students, <laughs> but we've just been, I mean, no one can stay away from the ping pong table. Yeah, that's yeah, they great. don't have this right there in planet. So there's all sorts of little added things, you know. And that's such a good again winter. I I feel like we need to do a trigger warning for all of the people on the East Coast who just are like, stop saying it's the end of summer, and like who have all of the. Well, we'll do a winter we, show. Well, I meant the heavy winters that we just don't have. You know, consider swapping out your furniture for something like for fun family movement time where instead of, all right, every night we're going to sit down at this table for an hour, be together in some other movement way, put your food off to the side and go "Go snack when you want. And then we'll come and chat and play around the Mm -hmm. obstacle course or the ping pong table or whatever else you can think of. That would be fun. It's just a dynamic home dynamic because it's ever changing dynamic because you can, it doesn't constrict your movement in any way. So I think that's kind of a cool thing. And then screen time, right? All the stuff that we've talked about before, there's all these screen-free weeks, but can you do screen-free days or tech-free days with your family, not just with your kids, but with the whole family, you know, consider having it switch off at a certain time where it's like, okay, do your homework, but the internet switches off for everyone at seven. Just, just think outside the box. I guess there are lots of solutions there. Right. And it's something that definitely you, as a parent, you can't just say, let's you guys do this. You all have to no. work together. I mean, it's just, it, it has to be a joint effort or no effort at all. So see parenting show right there. Yeah. We're all going to smoke our, you were going to smoke um, our pretzel, pretzel sticks, cigarettes outside. Stunt the children's growth. So they stay little and we don't have to keep buying them shoes. So, but do it well, as a family. Like the first but do it as a family. week. The, like I think Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there's no screen for us. We just play games. We read together, you know, and those, you can just set little traditions or schedules and, and those too can be dynamic. Like you said, it can always be changing. I just got, um, 
a, a memory, you know, that memory game. I have little, a little smaller kids, right? So we're not at the mm-hmm. fun, the fun super games yet. But someone sent us, my friend Galena, a memory game where when you matched it, it was all yoga poses. So we had it every time you flip the two cards over, you everyone did the two poses that oh, were cool. on there. And then you flip them back down and you just kept flipping around to, to find your match and Oh, is that like awesome. a game on the market or something Galena came up with? It was or? on an Etsy. Oh, well, we, we can put in the show notes. It's, it's okay. A, it's an Etsy. She, she, this woman, I think she's Bulgarian because Galena's Bulgarian. She had, she's an artist and they're beautiful. They're just gorgeous and they're all on like a cardboard cards, you know, so it's a nice quaint, beautiful movement game, movement right. games right we'll there. Put those, you know? We'll put those in those show notes. I just decided Twister. Okay. Twister. I told totally you about Twister. Twister's awesome. Oh yeah, Twister. Yeah, and gonna, honestly, you don't even need to buy the Twister game. Really, you just you throw a bunch of stuff on. Well, you just throw a bunch of stuff on the floor. What do you mean you don't have to buy it? You have I mean, to buy construction paper. Yeah, you don't need the whole game. Just it could be anything. You could just take a deck of cards and do it and throw it out of there. So really, that's what we should rename this podcast: the frugal, <laughs> awesome parenting movement game playing. Whatever okay, you want well, it to be. Well, since this show is now about like movement games, since we have this huge okay. section, I we stayed at a lake house for kind of a, our family end of summer hurrah. And they had a um, I wasn't quite full, like it was it was like a human-sized game of Jenga. <sighs> Instead of the little tiny pieces you hold in their hands, they were huge two by fours mm-hmm. um that were the appropriate ratios. And again, I can, I have a picture of it that I put um on my Instagram and like you squat, right? You're picking one up the bottom. Right. It's not on a table anymore. You're you're doing like some sort of weird inverted squat to get the one out on the bottom. And then you're reaching and the little kids, right? They're way over their head. They had stools climbing up to get them <laughs> on there and super fun, right? A human size Jenga for, for more movement. It's this exact same skill set, but, and you also have to sprint if it falls over because it's a huge yeah, pile of wood. Run. That's right. <laughs> That's brilliant. So there you go. Those so lots fun. of fun stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I played those. Those are easy to make too. Winter okay. show. There it is right yeah. there. Indoor games. I know. It's so full already, this winter show. I can't wait. <laughs> Another school thing that <laughs> that has to be dealt with. We got to get away from games and back to school for a second. Backpacks. When you and I were growing up, we just didn't have the kind of, we just didn't haul stuff to and fro like kids today do. So I think, honestly, I carried, I don't even think I had a backpack. I think I might've just carried whatever my lunch in my hand or in my arms. And if I had to bring a book home, which was rare, it was in my arms. So a lot of stuff got dropped and <laughs> and scuffed up and all that. But it, you see them walking to school today and these these little guys, they're loaded down with stuff. And I guess as a parent, you know, I'm, I would kind of wonder what, what's the best thing? Well, I have a different take on this than I think a lot of people do. So it, it's a complex, it's a complex issue because, um, yes, they are carrying more stuff than we are, but I'm not sure that's necessarily not, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Giving kid more loads to carry is not problematic. It's kind of what we're after, right? Having them work more, be stronger. Um, the question is, is piling a bunch of stuff into a backpack, the loads that we, the way that we want to do it. So I don't think variables are tricky when you're trying to flesh out what the argument actually is. So I don't think that the problem is the weight. Weight, weight is fine. Kids in other places do way more physical work and have the capacity to carry and be much stronger than our kids are currently. But what we have with the backpack is a repetitive load carried in a single way. Um, Again, I don't think that the weight is too much as much as you're asking a child who you also ask to be sedentary the bulk of the time to then carry this large burden on, on their spine, you know? So what is the solution there? The solution there is carrying the load in different ways I, for a long time, have wanted to create a backpack that was similar. And sorry, fellas, if this (laughs) analogy doesn't make sense. But you know, like you can buy those bras that like are like five bras in one. It's like it's over the shoulder and it crisscrosses in back and it's strapless. So I have long time wanted to create some sort of carrying device 
that had straps that went in different ways where you could carry it in different ways. Um, you can, of course, carry a backpack however you want. But, you know, we're talking about, I don't know, our, our little kids, like our five and six-year-olds coming home with 30-pound backpacks or like, when does that phenomenon start? I actually uh, pretty, don't know. Pretty early. It's pretty crazy nowadays. But but so you're saying, that's that's good. I'm glad that we are talking about this. You're saying that just the the variable is a big part of it. So I always believed, like my backpack in high school, I was a one-strapper. Mm-hmm. For those of you that don't know what that is, I was way too cool to put my backpack on the way that it was designed. And so I carried it on one shoulder, pretty much which, always the same shoulder. Which one? Which, are you lefty or righty? It was oh, it was on my left shoulder, which is mm-hmm. my jacked up shoulder. Sure. Right. Um, and then as an, you know, when I got older, I was like, you know, it makes sense. I'll just, I'll wear this with the two strapper. So now I'm a two strapper, but my son, the other day we were going off to nature school and he had his backpack on, you know, one thing. And I'm like, you could put your backpack on both straps. And he's like, ma, it's not cool. He's like, who are you talking and, to? Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with you? But, but I guess, you know, I hear I was worried that he's going to get all jacked up, but if he varied it, it wouldn't be such a big issue is what you're saying. I'm saying that, I'm saying that, you know, we have an aversion to work and weight and movement. And so, it's easy to see like, look at all this weight they're asking the kids to carry. I'm like, yeah, kids are strong. They should be asked to carry a lot more stuff a lot more often. However, is a backpack, this consolidated like load placed on the spine, like I would find that to be the problem more so than asking them to carry okay. the weight. And so, you know, my kids go to outdoor school too. They have backpacks and it's a little more challenging with tiny, with smaller kids, but keep in mind that they're also laboring kids. So they are constantly asked to carry and move and hang and swing. And so their, their bodies wouldn't collapse under the weight of a backpack the same way someone who did not that much other strength exercise throughout their life would collapse in a backpack. That the effect of a backpack is not in a vacuum. It depends on who's wearing it and what they do all the other time. So for older kids, like your son, varying up how you carry your backpack. And I wrote up the pumpkin, there's a pumpkin loads. It's the great load lesson, Charlie Brown. It was one of my (laughs) annual, (laughs) annual lessons I do on pumpkin. I always seem to do a blog once a year with a pumpkin. And so, you know, what's the difference between carrying 10 pounds of pumpkins all stuffed in a backpack versus carrying, you know, one on your head and a couple in your arms that that weight and how it's distributed changes the net effect of something. And so I remember being it being cool to not have a backpack, but to have like three books in one arm, right? Do you, do you ever remember walking mm-hmm. home, just carrying your books with like yeah, papers think, sticking yeah, out of them? Yeah, maybe seventh grade or something. Yeah, yeah. But again, I wasn't cool. So maybe it's just what I did. Well, and here's, here's a question <laughs> to your coolness. Were you a one or two strapper? Uh, oh, two, two, because my glasses went over my right and left ear. My straps had to go over my right. I had to balance <laughs> the whole thing out, you know, and my, uh, and my permed hair was equally poofy. I was first, I was all about symmetry. I was all about, I needed to be symmetrically you cool. What are you talking about? <laughs> my mom said oh, I was God. adorable. <laughs> yeah. My, my mom thinks I'm cool. <laughs> messenger bags. I did get into met, like I still prefer like I don't do any, I like a, a over the shoulder strap. So if, mm. over the shoulder strap, um, do it one way, then the other way, put your backpack on the front. There was a couple of kids who did that, you know, carried their backpack on the front, like a big pregnancy belly. That's pretty mm. hip. You should ask your son if that's yeah. hip. You should just start wearing your backpack on the front of your body and see what he says. Yeah. I just might do that for fun just to shake things up a little bit. <laughs> and then put your butt pack on the back and your and you're, oh my yeah, gosh. that That's already qualified as totally uncool in my household. So <laughs> I know, but okay. But all, but all of that being said, if you are going, there's my little kid is carrying all this crazy stuff, <laughs> lighten their load a little bit with like, I, we were buying stuff for outdoor school and it's like a huge, massive lunchbox. And I was like, what's this huge, like heavy in outdoor school, because they are hiking, you know, they're not just wearing the backpack around in between classes. These little kids are hiking a couple miles with what's on their back. So I do things like they don't have lunch boxes. Those are heavy. They have a knit sack 
a, a mesh sack that I put their food in because why have the extra weight of a backpack? Look for, you know, water bottles. Look when you're purchasing items for back to school or what, what they carry with them on a regular basis, pick things that are lighter. Um, yeah. Eliminate the need for, you know, do you need a pencil box? I mean, I'm understanding that we all need a pencil box. Do you really need a heavy pencil box in your bag or could you just, you know, throw a couple pencils in your backpack? Like there are, there are, there is extra weight being placed in there and extra bulk that may or may not be necessary. So backpackers will understand that you pare down your weight and don't take non-essential items. And so just, oh, I guess other things to think about if, um, if the load really is too heavy for the strength of your child right now pare it down Mm -hmm. as much as you can. Like, you know, they still have to bring, can you photograph, can you buy a a duplicate set of textbooks? Some schools do that, right? They send their kids home with duplicates. Can you buy, you know, find used online duplicate textbooks so they're not moving it back and forth? Yeah. I guess I like the way that you've just um, changed my thinking about it. It's not so much the weight, but just what they're used to. If they're sitting in a chair all day and then carrying the same load, that's just, it's too repetitive. So. Yeah. And it's, you know, we think my kids are carrying too much weight. And then the next question is how do I exercise my kids more? It's like, we know we're, we're, we are living in a space between two paradigms right now. So you're getting a little bit of this information, but you're still within a culture that really goes out of its way to avoid movement. And so there is this, it's like a vent. We live outside of a Venn diagram. We live in this like space and they're slowly overlapping, but it takes a while to start hearing, you know, the questions you're asking, how Mm -hmm. like this is too much work for my child. And it's like, well, too much work is relative. Is there, as your children get stronger and and understand variability, then it it won't be. So Mm -hmm. anyway, that's just a, again, it's part of that broader understanding of ergonomics versus movement and movement versus exercise. But that's, I think we got a shout out in there for yeah, looking absolutely. more. Absolutely. And All and right. teachers, that's something that you know, it's easy to feel like you're up against this whole system and how will I get the school district to mm. put up money, you know, for for standing desks and all this stuff, but really there's some pretty cool stuff going on out there at yeah. on a grassroots level that's not that these people aren't going up these huge big goliaths, they're just trying something in their classroom. Yeah. That's working. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. Well, I mean, that's how, that's where change comes from. It comes from super passionate people doing the work, right? It's just work. All this, you know, trying to create new curriculum is work. It's, it's really challenging. I don't think that there's a teacher out there who, I mean, I shouldn't say that. There are many teachers out there who are like, I totally get that sitting in the chairs is not good for the students, but it's the way that the system is set right. up. And I'm one person and in order to change it, I would have to have a, fr- a year paid by someone else where I didn't have to teach, but could just write curriculum that I've been working mm-hmm. on my curriculum for so long. But there are these people out there who are so passionate about it that they are in their spare time creating ideas and curriculum out there to change, I think, the paradigm. And so I would like to point people to a couple of those sources. Um one of them that I'm really excited about is, have you ever met Alex Kane? No, I read his his blog. So Alex Kane, he is um, he's married to one of our graduates who is a teacher of the movement technique that we use. And he was also an American Ninja contestant. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't? Oh, oh my gosh. Well, that no. explains a lot. <laughs> yes, he's he's physically amazing. Awesome. The only thing kind of being more amazing than his physical capacity is his warmth. Aww. Um and his passion for his community and his family and for movement. And so he has a website Monkey Bar Math. He's a a teacher and I wrote a blog post about him a couple of years ago because he created a chair-free classroom and let, and, but he didn't just like go, Hey kids, we're having a chair fit classroom. He's like, first day of school, he's like, Hey, there's no furniture in here. What are we going to do? And then, you know, that just opens discussions with kids and how do you want to set up the space? And their curriculum was creating a learning space. And so his website, monkey bar math is really insightful about 
what are the subjects that we can start teaching via movement? And so anyway, go check that out. And then do you have, do you have some favorites? Well, there was that cool thing that um, Brooke over at Liberated Body did a podcast about, and we'll put that in the show notes, but it was this gal um, named Patricia Pirka in Germany, and she had wanted to get more movement and less, you know, just desk time in at her kid's school. And her kid's school had a thing that they had, like, they called it experiment week, where the kids could just do something for a week. And so she went to the teacher ahead of time and said, Hey, I'd like to help with this experiment. Let's bring the kids in on it. And they got rid, they, you know, pushed all the furniture out into the hall or off to the sides or something. And then with the children designed a dynamic classroom with, you know, pillows and mats and some standing tables, things like that. And they did it for a week and, and it was just a really good way to see it in practice where it didn't cost the district, you know, or the administration anything they could just see how it went. So that was a very cool um, story about that. And I I think, you know, I just, that triggered something in me. I think that a lot of the resistance to doing new things in larger institutions is the cost, right? It's like, well, Mm -hmm. we can't afford it. Totally. There's there's never money. There's never money. I totally get that. Um, And I think though, a lot of that comes from the idea that you don't want your kid to go to be schooled in a place that has mismatching, you know, if you said no problem, you know, all the parents will come together and donate pieces of various heights. And that when you go to that school, there could be the response of like, well, this is sloppy. Mm -hmm. This is mishmash and of different heights. And, and I have been conditioned to uniformity and brand newness. And, and I, I am inferring from this way of everything looking organized that then what happens here is good and that things that are not clean and disorganized based on my internal um, judgment system can't, good things can't happen here. And that just for any of you have ever looked at anything that I've, you know, put out as far as like the videos that I'm doing or whatnot, one of the reasons I film, you know, what I do with, you know, my kids in the background and, you know, like, like that, 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 that you want to always make sure that you're evaluating things by the outcome, not necessarily by the appearance of how it looks. And that, that could be, you know, this, this idea of what is good or what is bad based on how it looks might be this huge cultural cast kind of on what is keeping things being the same way over and over again. So just, it's, it's an internal judgment system that is, uh, you know, cultural, culturally conditioned to. Um, so anyway, that's just one thing. Like, I just think of that as like, I, I think that every te- every person would have this piece of furniture that's sitting in their garage or whatever. They'd be like, sure, I will go down to my kindergarten or first or second grade. Or as a parent, I feel super motivated to get 15 or 20 different pieces of furniture of various heights and stools and pillows, and we can get it all donated. But that the resistance would be right. the sloppiness of it. Yes. Or sh- yeah. Shabby or just not uniform. That's true. Whatever. That's why I like how you film videos with your laundry on the floor <laughs> in the background, because you just keep it real, Katie. It's just my contribution. It it's my contribution. We appreciate it too. Thanks. I will continue to not fold my laundry in honor of you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Man, I might jump on that bandwagon too. Yeah, there's just there's so many different things that you can do, you know, just talking with your teacher and and not putting the onus on them to get it all done, but just saying, hey, what if we tried this? Because I know a lot of times kids have a little pad they can sit on and wiggle and it helps them, you know, just things they do for other sensory issues. But, you know, if it helps his kids sit still, it kind of makes you think outside the box of, hey, you know, what if there was all sorts of different ways we could move throughout the day without losing my lessons? Right. And, you know, again... Who's to say that learning happens with stillness? I mean, I think that right. there's a lot of information saying otherwise. So anyway, that's 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 a lot. Like we have right. given a lot of information. And, and just podcast. a few more resources and ideas um, besides the great, you know, park and walk plans. Um, if you check out Richard Louv's site, I think it's Nature Network. Um, he has great ideas because like you said, you can balance out if you can't do anything about the inside the desk, inside the classroom time, then you work on everything else. And mm-hmm. so there's great ideas for getting kids and yourself out. 
side, um, on that site, there's things like the walking classroom that you can apply for your your school. Um, so kids learn lessons while going on these many mile walks, wearing MP3 players, listening to school. Um, and that's a new thing. That's a nonprofit. That's pretty cool. And then check out monkey bar math. Um, some, Oh, what was one good tip from somebody was, she has her kid walk X to buy extra screen time. Like that's just the trade-off. If you want the screen time, then you've got to walk this amount of time. Um, I like that. that. Yeah. Another parent, um, when they do like read alouds or run spelling words, they sit on the floor with a yoga block and a half dome. And so they're just, they're wiggling all the time because nobody's just going to sit there like a lump, you know, they're going to move around. So there's so many things that you can do if you just step to the right a little bit and think about it, you know, look at it just a little, little differently. All right. That's great. And, and it's school. School is good. It's fun, fun for learning. I like this time of year. Fall, back to Mm -hmm. school, Mm -hmm. pumpkin squash, me too. All right, well. So, well, I got a couple of mentions to to talk about before we wrap it up. Um, I know our last show we mentioned we'd talk more about skin, and we will, but later. There's just a lot to talk about. Also, just a shout out, thanks to everyone in Colorado. You would not believe the amount of people that have reached out to me. since I moved to Boulder that listened to the podcast and have offered to go walking with me, have coffee, go hiking, have me work with them, all that. You all know who you are. So thank you for the warm welcome. That's exciting. I love it. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool place. Also, our podcast has been nominated for a thing called a gratitude award. And it's a really fitting award for us because it's not about how many listeners we have. It's it's uh, how much, how many lives that, that this podcast has changed. And I know it's changed mine, you know, your work has changed mine. So we would love it if you feel that Katie says has positively contributed to your life. If you would go on Stitcher or iTunes and you have to leave a written review, you can't just five star it. You know, you have to let people know how it's helped you. And if you would do that before September 26, we, we're in the running to win that award. And I'm grateful for all you doing that and for listening. Yeah, I'm thankful for you guys listening yes. too. And it's really wanting, wonderful. It is wonderful. We have such awesome listeners. And you can keep on learning and connecting with Katie on Facebook at Nutritious Movement and follow her on Twitter at Nutritious Movement, although it's not spelled exactly like that. It's, nu- <laughs> it's Nutritious movement. Movement, movement. There's no there's no vowels in the second in movement. So it's Nutritious movement. You'll get there. You just type in Katie. And she also has a highly entertaining, in my opinion, Instagram account at Nutritious Movement. If you're pressed for time and just want to flip through the awesomeness that is Katie's laundry um, while think kids it's are moving. I <laughs> Why is it entertaining? I don't know. I don't know. It just is. There it is. There's a kid on a garbage can. What's not fun about that? There's Katie? nothing. Come There's on. nothing. <laughs> Once again, keeping it real. Uh, oh, well, thanks guys for listening. Um, for more information, books, online classes, etc., you can find me at katiesays.com and you can learn more about Danny Hemet, Movement Warrior, Colorado homecoming queen it sounds like and two strapper <laughs> oh double doubled your backpack strapping fun at moveyourbodybetter.com goodbye we hope you find the general information on biomechanics movement and alignment informative and helpful but it is not intended to replace medical advice and shouldn't be used as such 